Uh, we're looking this morning at our uh, end of the month um, series on what's your style with uh, witnessing. And uh, so we're stepping out of Ephesians just for this morning and we'll come back uh, to it next Sunday. Um, we've been looking at this topic of um, witnessing for about four months now. And it it's, continues to strike me that witnessing has taken something of a... Um, it, it's, it's become, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, educationalized. In other words, we, we, we do classes on witnessing now and courses on witnessing. And we have taken something that ought to have been very natural and very sort of second spiritual nature to us. And we have made it into something scary and something frightening. And the goal of what uh, this short look at what your style is about is to remind us that witnessing should be something that is natural to us as God's children. That there are many ways in which we share with others what God is doing in our lives and, and through us that, that uh, have an impact of moving people one step closer to Jesus Christ. We've looked at um, so far three examples of various ways in which people witnessed for, for Jesus Christ and we started by looking at um, Philip. Uh, Philip was uh, one of the uh, early uh, leaders in the church, and Philip was uh, working away in a particular area in Samaria, and God was doing just extraordinary things. And uh, one day, the Spirit of God tapped his shoulder on Philip, and he says, I want you to go to some deserted road, and I want you to wait for this individual that I'm going to send your way. And uh, as we read the story in the book of Acts, um, God had already been preparing the heart of an Ethiopian uh, who was searching for God and was trying to understand more about God. And they met on this deserted desert road. And Philip was able to witness to him and share the good news of the gospel with him. Brought him to a, a point where he responded to the word of God. Uh, gave his heart to God, was baptized, and then they separated and went ways. That's an example of how some people witness. Um, just extraordinary opportunities and abilities to go anywhere, anytime, and talk to anyone about the good news of the gospel and see great results. We also looked at Peter, uh, and Peter was also one who witnessed for, for God, and Peter was one who had the gift of proclamation. He had the ability to, to stand before groups of people and to open the word of God and, and to show them uh, where they were uh, out of step with God and to bring them to a point where they realized that they needed God in their lives and they would respond in a saving way. And so his witness was more one of a, a proclamation. And it's what some of us are able to do. Not everyone, but some of us are able to do that. Uh, last month, um, Dan talked about the, the man who was filled with so many demons. And uh, they just controlled his life and nobody could control him. He couldn't control himself. And uh, yet Jesus could control him. And uh, the account was of how Jesus came to his neck of the woods and uh, spoke with him and uh, cast the demons out of him. And at the end of that discussion, this man said to Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to be part of your ministry team. And Jesus said, no, you need to stay here and just tell people what Jesus has done for you. And that's what he did. He just went about telling what Jesus had done for him. Now, a lot more of us are able to do that. That's our comfort zone. God has done an amazing thing in our life, and we are able to just tell people what Jesus has done for us. So we begin to see that there's a lot of different ways in which we can witness. Uh, this morning, I want to look at um, the story of a, a man who was born blind, and, and Jesus healed him, and uh, what he did, and how he witnessed of what Christ was doing in his life. And 
uh, I, I want us to just again be reminded that we all have an ability to do this. It's not something that's set aside for the paid bigwigs. It's not something that only those who have taken a class on evangelism are able to do this. Witnessing should be part of the warp and woof of our lives as Christians. It should be second nature to us. And, and I'm just trying to make it a little bit more normal in our lives. Um, Lon Allison, when he was with us, gave us a definition of uh, evangelism and witnessing. And he, and he put it this way. He said, to witness is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and with others to lead one or more persons one step closer to Christ. Such a helpful uh, uh, Um, uh, definition of what it means to witness. I think the first thing that it tells me is it's not on my own. I don't do this in my own strength. And in fact, I'm not even the one who initiates contact because God has gone before me. And the Bible really describes God as the great evangelist. He is the one that has already gone before us and prepared people's hearts and prepared the way for us. And we simply cooperate with the Holy Spirit and, and, and he taps us on the shoulder and we say yes. And he taps us on the shoulder and he says, talk to that person and we talk to that person. So it's, it, it just relieves all the pressure and stress off of me and says, I just have to be a partner with God. And who wouldn't want a partner with God? And so to witness is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others. I think this is also helpful to me as well, that it reminds me that I'm not the only one that may be speaking into a person's life about, about what Jesus has done for me and about what they might need. Um, we talk about, uh, some talk about what they call the river of salvation. And that if you look at your life, if you are here this morning and you are a Christ follower and you have decided to follow Jesus, you, you know that in your life, in bringing you to that point, there has been many people involved in that process. It might have been a neighbor, it might have been a grandmother, it might have been somebody at school, it might have been somebody at work, it might have been a, a Christmas Eve service you went to. But, but for many people, they, they tell us that there's often nine or ten people that are part of that process in bringing us to the place where we respond to the saving message of, of Jesus Christ. And so that helps me as well, to know that it's not just up to me. That if I talk to somebody and they say, that's just not for me, I don't want you to listen to that anymore, God will send somebody else into their path and will bring somebody else into their path. And so it's this amazing load off my shoulder again that it's not all up to me. And then I think the final thing about that definition, which I find so helpful and again so biblical, is it's not our job to, 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 to go from the beginning to the end with a person. We just have to be part of the process. And sometimes that is just moving one person one step closer towards Jesus Christ. Removing one barrier that they might have to Jesus Christ that they didn't have before. But now they still have another five that they need to remove. And that's up to God. The pace at which they get there. And so it just helps me to relax and just do what God wants me to do. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Cooperate with you in this community. And just realize that all I need to do is my part and move somebody one step closer to a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's the the definition that that we've been working with as we talk about witnessing. And we come to this story of this man born blind in in, um, in Acts chapter, or sorry, in John chapter 9. And we we, we see an individual here who, who impacted others with his testimony. He impacted his neighbors and those who knew him. He impacted his parents. He impacted the, par- the, the Pharisees. What we never see is if any of them responded to his testimony. 
but he was simply a faithful witness to them to what God had done in his life. If you want to just quickly read um, verse 25 with me, because I think, well, not I think, this is where we want to get to this morning. Uh, but this is the heart of this man's testimony. This is the heart of all that you and I need to know in order to be an effectual witness for Jesus Christ. He says in, in verse 25 of chapter 9, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. That's all there is to giving a testimony. Once I was this, now I am this. At one time I was in this situation, and now I am in this situation. It's sharing your experience of what God has done in your life. So we back up a a little bit, and I just want to read verses 1 to 7. And uh, the first thing that I wrote in the margin of my notes was, When Jesus impacts your life, you have something to share. When Jesus impacts your life, you have something to share. As he passed by, he saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. This is an amazing account, which in and of itself would have just been a dramatic testimony of the power of God. One day, Jesus is out walking with the disciples, and they happen to pass a man. And they knew that, somehow they knew that he was born blind. Whether they had passed him numerous times before, or they had other conversations with him, or maybe it was a revelation of God to Jesus, we're not sure. But they realized that this man was born blind. Um, and, and rather than uh, immediately the disciples sort of engaging in, well, how might we help the man, or uh, is there anything you want us to learn from this, they enter into a theological debate. And uh, some of you who are theologically inclined may have this sort of a bent. Uh, you, you just immediately skip to the theoretical and, and to the theological, which there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it's out of place. And so the disciples immediately begin um, talking about this man uh, in front of them, I believe, saying, okay, was he born, you know, did he, did he become blind because he was a sinner? Is that why he's blind, because he sinned? Or, or maybe he's, he's blind because his parents sinned. And so they had to try and figure out the reason for his blindness. And Jesus just simply says, the reason that he has been born blind is so that the works of God might be displayed 40 years later in this man's life. So Jesus did something amazing. He spat in the mud, uh, dirt. He made uh, a mud pie. He put it on the man's eyes and he said, go to this pool, wash. And, um, and when he did that, he came back seeing. Again, if this was the end of the story, it would be rather extraordinary. We would simply be reminded again of the amazing, extraordinary power of God to do what we are often unable to do. And as noticeable as it is, as a blind man that receives his sight, there are so many things that God does which are extraordinary. I think we sometimes forget how extraordinary it is that God takes those of us who are dead in our sins and our trespasses, those of us who have no inclination whatsoever towards God, 
And he speaks and we hear. And he calls us out of darkness and brings us into light. Loved ones, that is, an, that is a miracle that is even greater than giving sight to the blind. That God gives life to the dead. And if you here are a child of God this morning and a, a follower of Jesus, you have had an extraordinary miracle taken place in your life. It might be a marriage that has been on the brink and all of a sudden the, the couple just decides that we're not going to fight this anymore. Um, we're going we're to ask God to help us resolve it. And over the course of weeks or months, they come to understand what it means to forgive one another. They come to understand how God is able to strengthen and rebuild a marriage and put it back together again. And they find themselves about three or four months later in a place that was better than they ever have been. That is a miracle. That is a testimony of what God has done. I once was in trouble in my marriage, and now with God's help, we are in a place that we've never been before. God is able to do amazingly extraordinary things so that we can give testimony to them in our lives. And what I have found uh, just in my own life and in observing the lives of others, often the testimony that comes from our life is a testimony that is directly related to our obedience to God. That God tells us to do something, or he tells us to trust something, or he tells us to believe in a promise, and so we do what he tells, we obey him, we believe the promise, and, and, and God responds in an amazing way, and that's what our testimony is built in. So in this instance, God told the man, you need to go and wash, and you will see. The man obeyed. He went and he washed, and God healed him. And that became the basis of his testimony, was his obedience. And so we honor God, and God honors his word. We find out that as we trust in his promises, God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, that God is not simply one who hears our prayers, but he's one who answers our prayers, and therefore we have something then to share with other people. I believe this promise, and I didn't know what would happen, and I prayed, and God came through. And I experienced his faithfulness once again. I had no money to pay my bills at the end of the month. And I prayed and I trusted God. And and I did whatever I could. And I went to the mailbox and opened the mailbox on the last day of the week. And there was a check for the exact, exact amount of money that I needed. And God told me he would be faithful to provide for my needs. And on and on and on we go. So our testimony is almost always rooted in the fact that we are obedient or trustful to the things that God says or does for us. And while this story could have ended here, it would have been enough. But Jesus, God wanted us to understand something of the amazing work of God. And so we come then to verses 8 to 12 of this passage. And and, uh, what I wrote, uh, at least for this section, is what are we to make of a seeing blind man? Um, What are we to make of a seeing blind man? You know, loved ones, when you share with other people what God has done in your life, sometimes they won't have a clue how to handle you. They won't have a clue what to do with what you're sharing with them because it is so far out of their comfort zone. It is so far out of their area of presuppositions that they won't be able to make sense of it. And so we come to this verses 8 to 12 of this passage and we see that the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying. So these were people who knew him. There were people that lived beside him. And they were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some of them said, it is he. Others said, no, he is like him. And he kept saying, I am he. It's just an amazing picture that takes place in my mind. Those that knew him and knew him well doubted what God had done for him. 
they wouldn't believe that this was the same man. And so they questioned it. Well, I, I think it might be him. Well, it looks like him. Well, no, it really isn't him. And others said, well, yes, it is him. And they get into this debate again about him, which, which, which amazes me. Because again, the disciples got into a debate about why he was in the condition that he was. And here, they get into a debate about whether or not this is really the same person. And so, not everyone is able to understand or receive the simple testimony that you have of what God has done in your life. And all the while, sort of in the background, this man is sort of piping up, Hey, it is me. It is me. I was that guy. I, I can see it is me. But, but as this debate is taking place, it gives this man the first opportunity to share with others what God has done for him. And I, I so appreciate his confidence and his boldness. As they're debating about what had happened to him, one of them says to him, uh, So tell us, how were your eyes opened? And he answered them, The man called Jesus, made mud, put it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to the Siloam, or go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed, and I received my sight. Loved ones, that is what it means to share with others what God has done in your life. That is what it means to witness. Just tell somebody what God has done for you. Tell the truth about God, how God has sustained you through dark times. How God has provided for you when you were without provision. How God has healed a relationship that you didn't think was able ever to be healed. How he, he, he healed you when you prayed in a time of sickness. How he got you a job when you didn't have a, a job. Just simply tell people what Jesus has done for you. It's fascinating to me that he knows very little. All he says is, is, is this man, Jesus. I don't know how I was healed. I, I don't know much about the guy who healed me. I just know his name is Jesus. And if there's any prayer that I have for this congregation and, and for myself, and I have been praying, it's that we would know more about the name of Jesus. Loved ones, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance from unclean spirits in the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. You might not know a whole lot. You might not know a whole lot about even who Jesus is. But if you pray in the name of Jesus, if you believe in the name of Jesus, Jesus will do extraordinary things in your life. And so he says, I just know his name. He told me to, to, to go and wash, and I went and washed, and I, and I came back seeing. Beloved, that's what it means to give testimony of what God is doing in your life. Second thing that I wrote is um, from verses nine to thir- uh, chapter 9, verses 13 to 17. I just wrote in the margin again in my notes, when we still will not believe. Again, when you share your testimony with others, some will just look at you like you're nuts. Some will look at you and say, well, that's your experience, but it's not my experience. Some will look at you as though you're from another planet or they'll question what happened to you. But you know what God has done in your life. So we come to verses 13 to 17. And uh, it says there that they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? 
And there was division among them, and they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. I'm not sure why they um, brought him to the Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees were those who hated Jesus. They were the last people in the world that would have responded favorably to a miracle that Jesus had done in an individual's life. They were out to destroy the reputation of Jesus. They were out to kill Jesus. They were out to sort of rid Jerusalem of the teaching and the influence of Jesus. And so they they were the last people that would have been objective towards the testimony of this particular individual. And again, in the, even in the Pharisees, we see the power of their unbelief. In the face of sheer evidence, of, of clear evidence of, of a blind man who had been blind from birth, now seeing, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe that God could do that in an individual's life. And more than that, they were bugged because it took place on a, Sunday, or a Saturday in their case. On the Lord's Day, on a Sabbath. And you figure, well, why would you be mad about somebody who was blind from birth now healing just because it took place on the Lord's Day or on the Sabbath day? Well, they were bugged because he had broke their rules. Did you know that to, to spit and to make mud on the Sabbath was a sin? And you notice the emphasis. It's very clear. Jesus spit and made mud. Is making the point that Jesus made this mud. They called that work. It was also a sin on the Sabbath day to administer medical help. And if somebody broke a leg or an arm, they were not allowed to set it until the following day. And so all they could see was, was this man breaks all our rules. This man doesn't go according to norm. This man doesn't do things the way we do them. So this has got to be a hoax. This has got to be a lie. And their preconceived notions of who Jesus was and, how, and what could be done made it impossible to them to believe this man's testimony. But again, this gives the man the second opportunity to testify. So they say to him, tell us, how are you seeing and you notice he, he doesn't waver. He simply says to them, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. He doesn't exaggerate, he doesn't embellish, he doesn't waffle, he simply says again, this is what Jesus did for me. And the amazing thing is that a debate breaks out again. The disciples had debated the cause of his blindness. The neighbors had debated, had debated the miracle and whether or not it actually happened to this man. And now the Pharisees are debating whether or not uh, Jesus was, was a sinless man. And, and you find that when you share with people about what Jesus has done for you, sometimes it's very uncomfortable. And, and there's distractions and it doesn't fit with how they normally think Jesus works in a person's life or they don't want to accept it. And so they get into rabbit trails and other kinds of discussions. That's not our worry. My worry and your worry is simply the gain to tell people what Jesus has done for you. His testimony never changes. He put mud on my eyes. He told me to go wash. I went and washed and I came back seeing. Testimony is such a powerful thing. Again, you know, I was thinking about this passage. You may not be able to explain everything that has happened to you. You may not even have the biblical knowledge to defend who Jesus is and the character of Jesus and whether or not he was God or, or, or what kind of a man he was. But you do know this. At one time I was this and now I am this. I was blind, but now I see. You can't explain it. 
You can't even defend it. You simply know because Jesus has done it in your life. I was thinking about this um, uh, a couple uh, months ago, I don't know, probably four or five months ago. I was involved in a fairly intense interview that uh, probed pretty deep into my life and deeper than I, I really felt comfortable with. Uh, but they went back um, way, 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 way back in my life. And there was a time in my life when I wasn't a follower of Jesus. Uh, in fact, I was, uh, I was anything but a follower of Jesus, and I was on a pretty dark road. And during that time of my life, uh, I was really held captive to drugs and alcohol. And they had a control over my life that was um, just stunning. And uh, I was trapped. I had no way out. I was imprisoned to them until September 19th, um, 1979. And on that night, uh, uh, Jesus found me. And Jesus called me out of darkness uh, into light. And he changed me. And from that moment on, I never wrestled with drugs or alcohol again. Their grip over my life was instantly and completely broken. And as I was chatting in this interview uh, about this, uh, when, when, I, when I got to that part, uh, the, the interviewer sort of said to me, well, well how did you stop? And I, I said, well, I became a Christian. And they said, well, no, no, did you go for counseling? I say, no, I didn't go for counseling. Jesus just took it away from me. And they, and they said to me, well, well, did you go to rehab or, or, or something? I said, no. I just became a Christian and Jesus took it away from me. Once I was addicted to alcohol and drugs and now I am free. And it was very difficult for them to understand how that could happen because it doesn't fit the norm. It doesn't fit the way that we see things happening. It doesn't fit what we want to understand about Jesus. And so it doesn't matter to me what people believe or what they understand or the distractions that they want to make. I know in that instance what Jesus did for me. And that's what this blind man is saying. And so we come then to the next part, and it's when unbelief rules the heart in verses 9, 18 to 23. And an extraordinary verse, um, verse 18, where he simply says, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind. Extraordinary. They did not believe that he had blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. There had been this debate. They had had the testimony of the neighbors. They had the testimony of the witnesses. They had had the testimony of this man. And they still would not believe what Jesus had done for him. And so they called his parents in. And it put his parents in a, in a very awkward position, uh, situation because they weren't looking for a right answer. They were looking for an opportunity to discredit Jesus. They were wanting those to deny what this man was saying. And so they called in the parents, and his parents um, simply say to him, uh, we know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. How he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. And so they threw it right back. Go and talk again to him. Go and ask him what's going on in his life. And as they, as they haul the parents in, it says that finally, they at least accepted the testimony of this man. And then as we sort of wrap it all up, in verses 24 and 25, when we come full circle, 
I wrote again, and I read this somewhere, and I thought, this, this makes a whole lot of sense. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with only an argument. If you know what Jesus has done for you, you can defend that a hundred thousand times against one who just has a theory in their head about what Jesus can or can't do. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with only an argument. They come again to this man in verse um, 24, and, and it says, For a second time they called the man who had been born blind. And there's this emphasis again and again that he'd been born blind, he had been born blind, and now he sees. And so they call him a second time, and, and they, they first say to him, Give glory to God. That's um, um, not unlike if, if you're in court, and I don't know if they actually do this anymore, but you know, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God? This is simply their way of saying, you better not lie. Tell the truth, because God is listening to you. And so they're trying to put the fear of God into this man at this point. And then to sort of drive it home a little bit farther and to intimidate him a little bit more, they also say to him, and we know this man is a sinner. So you better make sure you're on the side of God and not on the side of a sinner. And again, just his simple response. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Again, loved ones, that is what it means to be a witness for Jesus. That is what it means to testify about what God has done for you. You know, it, it is possible sometimes to be, to be afraid to tell others what Jesus has done for us because we don't have all the answers. And, and we think, well, I can't win that argument. And I, I can't answer that question. And I, I don't have all the, the, the answers for the questions that they're going to ask. And so we shy away and we say, well, I, I, I'm just not going to say anything. Loved ones, do not let your lack of understanding inhibit your testimony of what God has done for you. I think another time, sometimes we remain silent because we're afraid to get into a theological debate about whether God can do this or not, or whether it was a real miracle or not, or whether God really answered our prayer or not, or does God hear and answer prayer? You know, and, and they're on and on and on, and, and, and so we're fearful um, because we don't want to enter into that. But again, if you know that Jesus has done something for you, that's all you need to share. That's all you need to tell somebody. Leave the rest up to God. Just tell the truth about what God has done for you. Charles Barkley wrote, It's a simple fact of Christian experience that many a man may not be able to put into theologically correct language what he believes Jesus to be. But in spite of that, he can be a witness to what Jesus has done for his soul. You can be a witness of what Jesus has done for your soul. There's a... No kind of uh, evidence, I think, that is so satisfactory as this to the heart of a real Christian. You know, when, when, when your faith with Jesus and your search with Jesus moves from your head to a heart, it's an amazing thing. When all of a sudden what you have always thought um, becomes what you know and what you experience, there's a huge difference that takes place in a person's heart. Our faith may be feeble, we may have little knowledge, our Doctrinal views might be fuzzy and unclear, but if Jesus has really done a work of grace in his heart by his spirit, we know that, and we know what he's done in our hearts and our lives. As I indicated, there was a time when I was in darkness, 
And I know what that darkness was like. And Christ called me out of that and brought me into light. I can't tell you how that happened. I can't, I can't explain to you that, that whole process of, 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 of how God kept his hand upon me when I was running away from him, how God kept me safe while I was disobeying him, how God still loved me when I hated him. I, can't, I don't understand all of that. I don't even understand how God changed me in the inside. But I know that it happened. And, and, and I can tell you that. I know I was in darkness and now I'm in light. I know that there was a time when I feared God. I know that there was a time when I lived in shame and and I was full of guilt and my conscience racked me and I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to have to deal with it. But I knew that there was somebody that I had to answer to and I just didn't want to face up to that. And then one day when Christ turned around my life, all of a sudden I had this love for God. And he had a love for me and I felt it and I understood it. I can't explain that. But I can tell you that that's what Jesus did for me. I can tell you that there was a time when I had no hope. When I just was going through the motions. When I, when I just went from one day to the next. When I thought that this world was all that there is. And there was a certain amount of happiness that came with that. But there was also a certain amount of despair that came with that. And, and I was without hope. And I didn't have any peace. But when Jesus... Christ came into my life, all of a sudden I knew that I was at peace with God because through the work of Christ I had been justified and I don't even know justification fully. I just know that Jesus did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I just know that now God doesn't look at me, he looks at me through Jesus and he sees me as clean and sees me as whole. I don't understand all of that, but I know that I'm at peace with God. And so again, you may not be an authority on theology, but you are the world's greatest authority about what Jesus has done for you. You are the greatest authority about how Jesus' promises have been true in your life. You are the greatest authority to the faithfulness of God when you thought you were really in trouble. Loved ones, that's what it means to be a witness for God. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you. And in that, we see the marvelous works of God displayed in his children. And through that, people give glory to God.